Hello, and welcome to Outnumbered the Podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Bonnie. We are experienced moms to a combined total of 19 children. In our weekly episodes, we explore relatable topics using our perspectives of humor and chaos. Tune in for advice and encouragement to gain more joy in your parenting journey. Everybody, we're back and we have another one in our homeschool or helping kids with their studies series. So today we're going to be talking to you about foreign languages. And we think that this is kind of applicable to any language that you are helping or teaching a kid. As a side note, this totally applies to like ASL or, um, you know, kind of off the beaten path foreign languages that we don't always think about, right? So I have quite a bit of experience learning and teaching foreign languages. Um, I lived in Mexico for quite a few years growing up. Um, and so have a lot of um, memories of learning a foreign language as a young child. And I did have a funny little story I wanted to share. And I'm, I'm probably going to botch this. So if if my brother's listening, he has to forgive me. But <laughs> I just remember he, and this is a f- famous story in our family. He went to school as a young child. He must have only been like six. And um, came home in tears, was really upset, you know, and, and this is immersion, right? We're going and speaking full Spanish, these kids that don't really know much. And he was really upset because um, people couldn't get his name right. This one little boy in particular kept getting his name wrong. And my brother's name is Patrick. And it's a little bit tricky for a, a native um, Spanish speaker. There's not really those consonants all smashed together, right? So he kept saying, my name is Patrick, Patrick. And the kid would give him all sorts of variations of the name that was not right. Anyway, he, the kid finally settled on Plache. I'll just call you Plache. And he goes, no, it's not Plache. Coincidentally, that's actually my nickname for my brother. Now we call him that all the time. He's in my phone as Plache. Plache, Plache. And he, you know, six-year-old starts crying. No, my name is not Plache. So he came home and was just really upset about it and told my mom, he won't stop calling me Plache. Oh, and what's this little boy's name? Rovlerto. <laughs> Or something equally <laughs> Paclo or something. He just made up something. Clearly not an actual name that my brother was not picking up. They were having the same kind of problem. So, you know, we just have to be patient with each other when we are learning to speak foreign languages and with our children and um, to realize that there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that go into adapting each other's to each other's, you know, cultures. Oh, well, we're excited to talk to you guys about this one today because learning and teaching a second language to a kid, whether that be um, a foreign language that you speak with your mouth or like you mentioned, ASL, um, it's a great brain builder for everybody involved, us as parents, helping them, teaching them and the kids too. Um, There's so much research out there that shows cool stuff about learning a second language. Yes, absolutely. I have to say that um, one of my favorite things to do in the whole world is read some sort of literature in my own native English as well as in a foreign language that I speak because you learn so much about the language, about the the piece of literature, about the people who translated it. It's just so fascinating to understand all the different nuances of language. And I actually studied language in college. I, my, I was a linguistics major and it's just It's a really, really fascinating concept if you haven't really dived into it. A great way to learn more about your own language as well. So today we have five tools to help our kids learn, and we're going to share also our own personal experience with foreign languages um, and some of the programs and methods that we've used in our homeschooling experience. All right. Our first tool is to start them young. You can't ever really start them too young. 
on a second language. And in fact, if you think about it, that's when they learn the best, right? Is the younger they are, the better they learn. In fact, some research shows that by around age 12, the synapses, which is the little connections in the brain, they kind of close. All You have all of them by that age. And so if you start learning a language or even hear a language before that age, then eventually at some point in the future, you could learn that language and speak it authentically, authentically, like a native speaker. But if you start to learn a language after that age, then you don't have those pathways built in your brain and it's no longer possible to sound like a native. You can learn the language or it's extremely difficult to master Mm -hmm. that. But if you hear, even just hear it before the age of 12, around 12, it's pretty magical. They, that, that information is there and can be used later in life. So tool number one, start them young. Yeah. Isn't that so fascinating? So there is some science behind just turning on uh, Sesame Street in Spanish for your kid or French or whatever you've got access to, right? Just from personal experience, I began learning Spanish um, in earnest at about age five, but I did hear a lot growing up. My parents are not native Spanish speakers, but they both um, knew it before they were married. And so that was kind of their secret language that they would talk um, in around us. The only problem being when once we moved to Mexico and learned Spanish, then it was no longer their secret language because we understood what they were saying. <laughs> but I think that that went a long way in helping me. Years later, when I um, had a chance to go uh, move to another foreign country and learn another foreign language, um, I had a lot more intensive training in this other language. But Spanish still remains my strong suit because I learned it so young. And my accent is considerably better in that one than any other language I've tried. It's just really, really fascinating. And I will also say that although when when I did learn this other language, it was Russian, was my, my third language, um, it was a lot easier for me to learn it than some of my peers who were learning along with me, I think because of this history. So it's just so fascinating how your brain works, how it compartmentalizes everything and creates those pathways early, early on. Um, yes. And, and, you know, if you doubt this at all, look at your baby who can't do anything but lay there and cry at birth. And within two to three years, they are a fully fluent language speaker on top of learning how to crawl and eat and walk and do everything else. It's incredible. Their brains, and it's because they're just so malleable. These synapses are forming hourly, right? And so as they create, as they um, get all this language stimulus, they just learn so, so, so rapidly. So if you can add another language in there, side note, if, if a young baby does hear multiple languages, I know a lot of people get worried about confusing their child. It will sometimes take them a little bit longer to speak clearly, but then they will have a leg up on their peers because they will have heard two different ones. And the brain is very intelligent at sorting those out. So maybe you're in a condition in a situation where you can, you know, you can speak one language to your child and your spouse can speak another. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah. What's funny about kids who are um, bilingual or multilingual is that, um, well, I had this experience where we were around these kids and their mom spoke Spanish to them and their dad spoke English. Well, they, their dad spoke English some too, but you know, everything in their world was English except at home they spoke Spanish. So we were on these little kids and I just you know, spoke a little bit of Spanish to him and they looked at me like, mm-hmm. yeah, we know you, <laughs> you don't, you know, <laughs> like, you know, little three, three, four year olds are like, mm, yeah, right. <laughs> we know better than you already, lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. So as far as method goes, immersion works best for the youngest ages, but any exposure is great. No, no exposure hurts. So, um, I, when my um, youngest or oldest now were very young, I had a CD, I think it was, of just songs in nine different languages. And it would just 
expose them to this to these languages anything just anything was great so interesting but, but yeah you think about a baby you can adopt a baby from any country in the world and bring them into your home and they will learn your language so yes. you, yeah you think about it it doesn't matter what culture what genetics mm -hmm. a baby can learn any language it's really really neat to think about yeah and what's interesting is that um, there are many cultures that learn multiple languages at once. So um, many countries where, you know, they have two or three national languages. So the ch children are constantly picking up multiple languages. And it seems like it would be very, very confusing. But the brain is just ex extremely intelligent and adaptable and is able to to sort them out. Um, what's interesting is my I'm seeing this happen with my children. My oldest children, I was not great about. In, involving a lot of language in their lives. I think I was just kind of overwhelmed with a lot of little kids, but we're a lot better now. And my younger ones have a much better accent. My little four-year-old, when she starts speaking Spanish, she speaks a lot with grandma too. Grandma will come over and speak Spanish with her. Her accent is incredible. I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's amazing. Like we should take you to Mexico. <laughs> Fit right in. <laughs> okay. So tool number two, and that is to just have fun. As with any educational um, quest, as soon as you make it a chore, the kids don't want to do it, right? As soon as you keep it fun, then it's like, oh, I want to try. I want to try. For example, one of the things that my mom started doing with my children is she would come over and offer them a piece of gum, but they had to request it in Spanish. And so everyone loves when grandma comes over because they get to say, can I have a piece of chicle, you know, <laughs> um, and, and make sure that it's very no or low pressure situation, right? If they can't say it, she still gives them the gum. She just makes them try it, right? It's not like... It's high pressure. Like if you can't ask where the, you know, you're bleeding and you have to ask where the ER is in Spanish, like <laughs> they will get to the high pressure situations if they end up traveling there. Like you just make it fun, make it really easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally right. Like I, I think it's hilarious that my two-year-old has a little lisp, but he can still roll his R's for Spanish. I'm like, <laughs> what? It's <laughs> amazing. Uh, yes. Okay. So the best way to make them not want to learn is when we start getting heavy or negative or intense. <laughs> it's just, just not fun. Like, like, so at their, at most kids, um, at young ages, they don't have to know or learn a second language. So there's not like any timelines or assignments due or anything. We're talking at the very youngest ages. So there's no reason not to make it fun. And if you continue that into the older ages, like say you have you do have a kid taking a class in school and you're trying to help them out, just just keep it fun. Like there's no point in doing anything else because then they've got this difficult, difficult thing that their brain is trying to do, and then you've attached some negative emotion or something to it. It's just it's just not going to work. So absolutely love this one. Stay positive. Stay fun. Right. One thing I will say here is um, that inhibitions, social inhibitions go a long way in harming the learning of a foreign language because it requires a lot of courage to open your mouth and say something that will probably be wrong because you will be wrong 1000 times more than you will be right when you start speaking a foreign language, which is one of the reasons is very difficult for adults to learn is because of the inhibitions, not necessarily, I mean, also the brain is older and slower, but because they are not fearless like the kids, they'll just say something and go, Oh, it was wrong. Big deal. But for a, you know, 14 year old or a 30 year old, it's a lot scarier. And so to, to make it a game or even purchase foreign language games and practice 
letting it just roll off, letting the mistakes roll off, right? Don't make a big deal about it. Don't let anyone make fun of each other when they say it wrong. You guys can all laugh at each other. You might even have to laugh at yourself at the same time, right? And say, oh, I said it wrong. Oh, I sounded like this or whatever. Um, but that is a huge, huge, huge aspect to learning a foreign language in a safe environment is to not allow those inhibitions and that fear to creep in because then they won't even try, right? A few other ideas for making it fun is finding someone online to speak to, right? We live in this super connected world. In, in a matter of a few clicks, you can find somebody on Facebook that would Zoom with you and chat in a foreign language with your kids, right? You can try labeling things around the house. We're going to talk about different types of learners later on, but this is great for visual learners. With language, it's a little bit tricky because it's all in the head and coming out the mouth, but if they can see it red, that's a little bit helpful. Um, and you can practice when the family gets together, like dinner time is a great time to practice things. Listen to dad, what we learned today. And they can chatter back and forth and dad's so impressed and um, everybody, you know, rallies around each other and encourages each other to to try out this new skill. Yeah, that that is awesome. Just just when you when it's your goal to make it fun, then you start looking for different ways. And it just it just really is. There's a lot of tools, um, resources out there that you can use to make it fun. So yes, that is our next tool is to tailor it to their learning style. And as you guys know, in our other homeschooling episodes, we've talked about the seven different learning styles and the and how to learn your kids' learning style. So go back and listen to some of those other episodes if you don't know your kids' learning style. We've got some great resources linked in those to help figure out your kids learning style but but go ahead and tailor this learning a foreign language to their to their learning style so we're going to just real quick go through each of those seven learning styles and throw at you some ideas of ways to help a kid with that learning style learn a foreign language that's right. So first one is visual or spatial. Like I was just mentioning, um, they like to take notes. So I am a visual learner and, um, I, I know I've shared this example in the past, but when I was learning Russian, so my third language, I was an adult and it made me crazy because I could not write down the words that they were saying. They weren't, this program I was in was not letting us take notes. They wanted everything auditory because the, the alphabet is different. And I'd already known, I'd already learned the alphabet before I started this program. So I just was dying to take notes because it would not compute. <laughs> like I cannot hold this in my brain. I need to see it. And as soon as we were allowed to take notes, it was like, oh, finally helps so much. So if you're not that kind of a learner, understand that it's really important for us to read it. We just can't, can't do it without the notes. Um, they often think in pictures and learn best from visual displays or slideshows, posters, anything that they can get their eyeballs on will help a lot. Yeah, which is funny thinking about learning a language, which is mostly using your mouth, not your eyes, yeah. but hey. Not very visual. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They're connected. Okay, the second um, learning style is auditory. So these guys probably maybe learn language easier than others because part of learning any other language except sign language, ASL, <laughs> is going to be for auditory learners. So it's really, really um like they're just prone to learning this. They so use music, anything where they're hearing language, um, audiobooks in a different language. Um, they they interpret the underlying meaning of the words through listening to not only just the words spoken, but the tone and the pitch and the speed and other phonological nuances of the speech. So they're going to pick up way more than just the words by listening to to it spoken. They they like even reading aloud in the foreign language, hearing themselves speak it. Um, Maybe if they're taking a class and school are not getting it, um, have them record the lesson and then go back and listen to it later. Audiobooks, songs, movies. There's, there's a lot. This one just kind of seems maybe more intuitive that they need to hear the language to learn the language. So that's especially important for these kind of learners. 
Right, right. And these learners tend to be pretty exceptional at picking up accents because they hear yeah. the nuances a lot better than maybe the rest of us clonking around, yeah. right? They're just like, yeah. oh, this is a this is a different dialect. I'm going to try it a little differently. It's pretty fascinating watching. Yeah. I have a brother-in-law that must be an auditory learner because he he speaks England, English. So he has, you know, the English accent, but he can mimic the different American accents so good. Like he can speak yeah. American like an American. He can speak it like a Texan. He can speak it like somebody from Tennessee. He, it's pretty funny. He must be an That's auditory great. learner. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And he probably, and also as a foreigner, it's probably a little bit easier to pick up on them because it's all foreign to him, right? Oh, yeah. Whereas we like, oh yeah, I think he had a little bit of an accent, but you know, we, we just, we, <laughs> yeah. we sift through that really easily to get the meaning and he probably has to work at it a little bit right, better. Right. Yeah. So the third one is the verbal linguistic, also a huge boon when you are learning a language, right? Um, they love to interact with words and sounds. They love to discuss things, ask questions. They love to teach others. Um, this is something, it's funny, I'm not an auditory learner, but I do think I have kind of a knack for linguistic stuff um, and, and, and to talk. They love to talk, you know? It's, it's pretty fun to chat. <laughs> Uh, it's getting me to shut up you can't do <laughs> uh, no but it's real easy for those kind of learners they just like yeah they do like you hear them speaking the language sooner maybe than other other kids do because they're they're making it happen with their tongue right yeah. okay the fourth kind of learner is the physical kinesthetic learner these guys love hands-on activities so you're you know you're learning different foods in a different language have them right there. <laughs> and then um, they love to touch, feel, and experience anything anything in this language. So like games like pantomime or charades, those can, things can actually help them later remember or make a connection to a foreign word. Like if you, you know, mime eating an apple and then, you know, they have to guess it in, say, Spanish, then they're going to remember that phrase because they're actually going to remember first what you looked like or what they did when they were miming that. So anyway, that's that's kind of a fun part for a physical kinesthetic learner. Yeah, and if you're looking for a language to teach that one, there's ASL for you. They'd be yes. fantastic at that. Yeah. Yes. So the fifth one is the logical or mathematic mathematical, and um, obviously this one might be a little bit more difficult. Um, but but maybe not. Sometimes language and math have a really have really interesting connections. They just are expressed a little bit differently, right? Um, they like processes. They like analysis. They like collecting data. They like um, solving mysteries. So this is kind of fun when you're looking for games or activities to do with them. Um, they might like some more of those uh, tricky uh, tasks given to kids learning foreign language in a school setting. So like verb conjugations or things that are very um, methodical, if that makes sense. Whereas the rest of us are like, oh, conjugating verbs. These guys are great at it, right? <laughs> they like tables, charts. They like, you know, analysis um, or worksheets that incorporate um, money, using money, things that that play to their strengths of mathematical, logistical stuff, but but lend themselves to languages. Yeah. As I sh have shared in other episodes, I'm pretty strong in the lo logical mathematical learning style. And I have to admit that when I was learning Spanish in high school, I did not realize that there were different ways of conjugating verbs until they gave us the charts and actually had to start filling in the verb conjugation. And I was like, I need more copies of this blank piece of paper because I need to go conjugate every single verb. I love that. Give me that. all that the charts. Like, yeah. I know. That was like my favorite part was conjugating <laughs> verbs. I was like, oh, give me another verb I can conjugate. 
<laughs> you nerd. <laughs> I know it. That's I know. Awesome. That was like making the connections. For yeah. Me. All right. Then we have these two, which the last two um, usually are go hand in hand with another learning style, but we have the interpersonal. So this is the kids that love learning in groups with other people, with interactions. They love to, you know, maybe do some peer editing or peer teaching. They, they check other people's work or other people check their work or they teach group, group conversations, group discussions, listening to other speakers, all anything that involves another person is going to help them learn. Right, right. Um, the extroverts tend to lo- yes. have love this learning style, right? They yes. want <clears throat> want to help everybody else and be helped in in turn. And then um, in in contrast, the intrapersonal learner are the ones that prefer a little bit more structure in their group activities, so that everyone has a specific assignment. So this is the kid that does not want to pitch in to clean up the living room altogether. He wants his little area, and when he's done, he's done. <laughs> he doesn't want to be responsible right. for anybody else. So these specific roles that make him realize that, oh, this is this is my very specific task. Um, the collaboration is maybe a little bit more difficult. Right, right. They just want to go learn it by themselves and come back and bring back what they presented and present what they've learned. Yeah. 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 Okay. Tool number four. So those are the seven learning styles. And we definitely think it's super helpful to know which way your kid learns. So that's a big tool. Number three. All right. Moving on to tool number four, seek outside help. This one's kind of obvious if you don't speak the language or even if you do get somebody else um, to help because like we were talking about different accents and different understanding and different learning styles. So even if you are a native speaker, it'd be fun to bring in outside help. And then if you're helping um, a kid that's learning at school, obviously their source of outside help is, is whatever program they're learning in the school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I, and I consider myself a fluent Spanish speaker and I still am not fully confident to teach my kids everything they need to know simply because I'm a little out of practice and because there are certain things that, um, an actual teacher or a, just a native speaker knows so much better than you do. Right. Um, although I will say that native speakers are generally not great at giving you the why of things. Oh yeah. (laughs) You've ever asked them, well, why did, why do you say it like this instead of like this? Because that's the right way to say it. Noted. Okay. <laughs> kind of like kids speaking English, you know, well, that's just the way right. you say it. I don't know why. <laughs> Go to the textbook if you want to why, right? <laughs> and once again, coming back to the inhibitions, if you are teaching or, or assisting a teacher to get your kids through a foreign language, be prepared to look and feel silly. This is something I really struggle with as an adult. And, and one reason I don't practice my foreign languages more um, is because I don't like to look dumb. And I know that's so shallow, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing, especially for teenagers right? If you have a teenager learning a language, especially if they are kind of the more sensitive type, you have to be really aware of the fact that they're going to shut down if there's any teasing going on or if they are made to feel dumb. So if you as the parent or teacher model an openness, a willingness to look silly and laugh at yourself, the kids will be a lot more likely to do the same thing. Just say, oops, I messed up. That was funny. Try again. Yes. Yes. That is so good. Model, model it for them. The way that <laughs> learning it's called learning because together. you don't know it. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> you have to mess up. Uh huh. Oh, yep. All right. So the last tool that we have for you is real interactions when possible, real humans that speak this language. Um, I guess I realized how important this was when I was teaching my oldest to Spanish and we were using a program and it was mostly, you know, computer automated. They were speaking some to it, but they ran into some, we ran into some people that were speaking Spanish and they asked them a really simple question. It was like, 
oh, what is your name? And they hadn't gotten to that in the program yet. And they were like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that one. So, but, you know, as far as a real interaction goes, that's one of the first things that people ask. Well, hey, what's right. your name? You know? Right. Like the programs are great, but they often teach really inane things like, where's the library? <laughs> mm, how about if we start with, my name is, and yeah, my name is, I don't yeah. speak this language. <laughs> Let's be honest. That's what we learn when we step into a country, right? Yes, yes. yes, for sure. Online is fantastic. And there are so many resources for it now. I mean, just 15 years ago, we didn't have anything for learning these foreign languages. And now it's just everywhere. Um, but in person, there are so many more options than you realize too. And actually you can do real life interactions online as well. Just make them live with a real person, do a little research, see if you can find a way to do that. Um, some other ideas are taking a field trip to your local Latin market. Is there a place where all the people, all the Latin community, um, in your neighborhood goes to shop for food. Could you go and pick up a few things and practice some phrases? People would love it. They'd get a kick out of it. Um, do you have a Chinatown in your neighborhood or any other small immigrant community where there are a lot of native speakers of a foreign language where you can go try things out? Um, or just any other shop, a nail salon or a grocery store that is owned by immigrants. Um, and you might even want to go talk to the owner and say, hey, my kids are dying to practice their Korean. I don't know. Can we come and just chat with your people? I'm sure they'd love it. Everybody loves getting attention for their own culture, especially when they live in a foreign, foreign country. It is a very hard thing to live in a land full of people that do not share your same culture and your same language. And so to see these people make an attempt to understand you and your culture goes a long way. You can make some real friends doing that. So really fun to get out of your home and try to find some in-person opportunities to practice. Yes, yes. Another idea I had for an older kid, like a teenager, maybe in high school trained to learn a language or even in college, is um, babysit. Babysit some mm. kids that speak the language you're trying to learn. Mm -hmm. And they are actually probably better at it than you are. And you oh my gosh, kids are, kids are hard. Like at least the adults know to <laughs> slow down. The kids are like, <laughs> you're like, oh no, stop, stop. One word at a time. They're like, why are you so dumb? Why do you not know what we're saying? It's easy. Just do it like us. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Now we're going to share a little bit about our own personal experience learning languages. And then next we're going to talk about programs and methods we've used to help others learn. Okay. So personally, I um, speak some Spanish and um, I learned, I had, they just brought in some when I was way back in dinosaur age when I was in third grade they brought in some um Spanish speakers and we learned some Spanish it was just not not very intense at all but because I had that exposure very young then when I went to learn it later in high school picked it up very fast speaked it speaked speaked <laughs> yeah but you you lost some English too <laughs> I lost some English <laughs> uh, spoke it um like a native speaker, I'm told, and I chalk it up to that that experience um, when I was young. The other language that um, I have is ASL um, or sign language. Um, and so when I was young, again, um, in our weekly church services, there was a lady that interpreted um, every meeting. And that was neat. I just, you know, as a kid, I loved to watch that. And I don't know that I necessarily picked up anything from that <laughs> because it's not, um, ASL is not a spoken language. It's, you know, you kind of have to know what, what's being said, but that was really good. And then I've had, um, 
opportunity in the past and then just recently to um, really um, get ASL down and learn it good. And so now I, I can um, I have in the past and and am again helping with um, some interpretation of um, religious meetings. And it's one thing that is the most helpful thing, and it's a, a tool that most people use when learning a language, but is consistency. And mm -hmm. so just the opportunity to help interpret on a weekly and biweekly basis has done more for my um, learning and picking back up ASL than anything else, because it's just having to use it. And kind of a neat thing about, um, you know, when you're learning to speak another language, oftentimes a Spanish speaker will have some English and be able to help you out. But with ASL, um, they don't have any ability to hear. There's no way for them to have any of the language that you're speaking. You can't although cheat. They do, <laughs> no, you can't cheat. And they can't really help you, although lip reading is very, very mm -hmm. important. Um, but lip reading alone isn't isn't enough. So anyway, it's one thing um, that I love is just um, the consistency of uh, learning a language. So those are my some of my experiences in learning language, foreign language. Well, that's awesome. I had a close friend in college who was big into ASL and had a, a boyfriend who was deaf and was really into that community. And she was just incredible watching her speak ASL. I'm like, wow, I really should have learned that. That's amazing. It's so amazing. I will say something too about interpreting and translating. Um, it makes your brain think about things in a vastly different way. When you have, and and I will admit that I'm actually seeing this in my own language now we joke about it on the podcast all the time, but after all these babies, my brain doesn't work the way it used to. And language is one thing that suffers. And I've lost some vocabulary that I used to have. And so it makes me, my brain has to spin things a little bit. Okay. I, I, I'm not finding that word that I know I used to have to, con to connect these two concepts. How else can I say it? And you learn that in translating for someone mm -hmm. as well, especially if you don't have the words for it. Okay. How else can I phrase this? How else can I, yes. can I spin the meaning so that I'm still communicating what I want to communicate, maybe not as succinctly or as perfectly, but the thought still gets across. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that thought. I'm just going to interrupt you here for a second because that's what you do with ASL is you don't interpret the actual words that are being said. Often it's not word for word translation. Most of the time what you're doing is interpreting the meaning because when you start interpreting, you realize how many, oh, here's a, a word loss thing. How, how many, um, like figures of speech or yes, yes, yeah. that we use in in speaking that really don't go across don't make any to sense. the yeah. language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. you have to interpret what is meant and not what's said. Right. You know, I have a really special place in my heart for languages, foreign languages, because they are what um, I I think that they are what bring peace can bring peace to the world. Right. So much of our quarrels and fights and misunderstandings and arguments um, in life these days are due to misunderstanding or not even trying to understand where the other person is coming from. And when you make the effort and you teach your children to make the effort to learn how someone communicates, it that is a real gesture of goodwill, right? It's saying, I care about you and your thoughts and your culture and your community, and I want to better communicate with you. It's, it's a real selfless, I mean, when you're in the country and you, you can't find a bathroom, it is a, a bit of a selfish <laughs> tool. <laughs> But when you're living in your own country, it really is a selfless 
act of connection. And so I really encourage people to get outside of their comfort zone and try to make a fool of themselves and communicate, especially if you have an immigrant population. So we live in Phoenix. I have a very high population of Mexican immigrants. It's very easy to just pretend like those people should learn my language or have this kind of high and mighty attitude about it. But they are just people who are struggling to survive in a foreign country that is very difficult. And to go out of my way to communicate with them and help um, understand them, to hear their stories. I just I think there's something really powerful about that and teaching your children the same thing, that they have an obligation to learn to communicate with other human beings, especially if they're going to encounter them a lot. So, so you could ask yourself, maybe you're, you're struggling to even choose a language for your children. Well, maybe you live in <clears throat> Michigan and there's a lot of French speakers that come from Canada. Maybe that's where you start. There's a few people or there's a Korean market down the street and you'd really like to ask for something in Korean. Start there. It doesn't really matter. And you don't have to commit to a lifelong learning of a language just because you were picking up a few phrases. It can just, it can just be a curiosity and a, a desire to extend this goodwill to others. So I've, I've told you guys most of my personal experience, but like I said, I just, I have learned so much from people because I've learned their language that it, it has a really um, special place in my heart. All right. So some programs and methods that we've used in our homeschooling to learn what um, the language the two languages, I guess, that I'm, I'm helping my kids learn are Spanish and ASL as well. We have a larger Spanish population in our area where we are too. And then ASL, we have some friends. So um, we at first, we were using Rosetta Stone. When we first started homeschooling a long time ago, 20, almost 20 years ago, Rosetta Stone was the program to use. And so we started doing that. There wasn't really much else out there um, that was really a good program to use. So we use Rosetta Stone and it has um, a computer um, component and it has a written component and it has a speaking component. And so it, it was good back. I mean, it was many people use, learned a language using the Rosetta Stone program. So that's what my oldest kids mostly used. Um, it was hard to tailor it for really young speakers though. So um, I was just using things like We Sing Around the World. Um, I'll link that one in the show notes. That was a, a good one that we used um, just for the younger kids and just exposing them to anything we could um, that way. <clears throat> Audiobooks, CDs, music, whatever, whatever we could. We even have some um, radio broadcasts. Uh, stations that are broadcast in Spanish around here. So just turn those on sometimes. And what we're currently using with um, all the kids down to um, those pre-readers down to, but not including kids that can't read yet is Duolingo. It's an app. You can download it for free and it's a great, great method. They speak, they hear native speakers, they get to do some reading, some writing. And so that's what we're using. That's, that's a great method. And I would like, maybe Bonnie, you'll have a suggestion or maybe some of our listeners can help out. I would like something for my very youngest non-reading um, learners yet. Cause Duolingo, there is a lot of reading involved mm -hmm. in that one. They have to be able to read to be able to choose the correct you know, tap on the correct one. So those are the programs and methods we've used in our homeschool. Yeah, we haven't used a lot more than that. Um, Duolingo seems to be a favorite in our home. My kids really enjoy doing it and they make it fun. There's like badges and things that they can earn. Yeah. Um, what's been fun is to let my older children just kind of go crazy. So I've required them to learn at least one foreign language, but once they um, kind of get a working knowledge, they can go try something else. So my oldest has dabbled in like three or four languages, which I think is great. I don't think it's necessarily... 
um, I don't think it's necessary to force your child to do like seven years of one foreign language, although it's helpful that they can actually, if they can actually communicate in one language. Um, but any exposure to foreign language will help them. For the younger kids, honestly, um, the best thing that I've found is songs. Like you mentioned, like getting um, a CD or a playlist of foreign language songs, especially if they are songs that they recognize already, right? So like like Eensy Weensy Spider was one that my kids learned in Spanish and they went bananas for it. They just cracked up because the words sounded different and knowing Spanish, I knew that the meaning was a little bit different, but it was just so exciting for them to, to say these silly words that actually had a meaning to someone, right? Um, so that's a great way to start those little kids. Another program that you might want to look into is called Pimsler, and it's based on some real great research um, on foreign language. And that's something that my older boys have enjoyed doing that program, but there are really the sky's the limit. There are so many options out there. I will say finally, though, if there is any way you can incorporate real life experience, especially in a foreign country, do that. Like what if once a year or once every five years, you took the family across the border and just practiced some things, or you decided that, you know, when your oldest graduates, you're all going to go fly somewhere and practice these skills because it doesn't even really mean something until they have a chance to speak to another human being with it. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I just, I really like what you were sharing about um, connecting with other people. Um, the, the more you learn about other people, that if you speak to people in another language, you start to find commonalities and mm -hmm. things you, that are like you and you can relate to. And that I think is a key for going forward into um, more peace in the future. And so, yeah, I, I highly encourage people just to expose your kids to language, even if they'll never use a foreign language in their life. Just the exposure is pretty, um, pretty fantastic for their brains. And, and just because of that, it's worth it, um, if for no other reason at all. Yes, absolutely. I've had the opportunity of uh, living in three foreign countries and traveling to many, many dozens. And I just have to say that the one thing that comes across every time I go to a new country is that these people are just like us. They have the same problems and the same happiness and joys, and they just, you know, eat a little bit different food and they sound a little bit different and they probably look a little bit different, but we are all essentially the same people at heart. And the more effort we put forth to um, break down those barriers, the happier we'll all be. And it really is. I mean, we, we joke about world peace being the answer to everything, but this is how we get there guys, is we learned, learn what makes other people tick and we learn how to, how to connect with them. So pretty awesome. Yeah. So if we can prepare our kids to be able to do that, in some measure in the future, then I think we've had success. Thanks for listening, friends. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe to our email and never miss another episode. Show us some love by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with a friend. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. Yes. It's yeah. I'm sorry. I always stop so abruptly. I'm like... Oh, hello. Give Bonnie some cues here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <clears throat>